0: Talk wbt This from uh, the AP business writer Stan Chu, who says the U.S. government expects households to see their heating bills jump as much as 54% compared to last winter. 54%. Nearly half the homes in the U.S. use natural gas for heat, and they could pay an average of $746 this winter. That would be 30% more than a year ago. Those in the Midwest would get particularly pinched with bills up about 49%. And this could be the most expensive winter for natural gas-heated homes since 0809. 08, 9 8 Oh, yeah, the last time a Democrat was president. Okay, the second most used heating source for homes is electricity making up 41% of the country, and those households could see a more modest 6% increase up to about $1,300. Homes using heating oil makes up only about 4% of the country. They're looking at a 43% increase. And uh, the sharpest increases are likely for homes that use propane, which is about 5% of U.S. households. This winter is forecasted to be slightly colder across the country than last year. And that means people will likely be burning more fuel to keep warm on top of paying more money for each bit of it. If the winter ends up being even colder than forecasted, uh, heating bills could be higher than estimated. And of course, vice versa. Where's our bottlenecks are. Does the bottleneck are deal with the energy bottlenecking? Not sure. I mentioned earlier the fatal conceit. I got the tweet here from, uh, Adam, who quoted from F.A. Hayek's uh, book, The Fatal Conceit, The Errors of Socialism, where he said the curious task of economics is to demonstrate to men how little they really know about what they imagine they can design. The Fatal Conceit. So the higher prices hit everybody, with pay raises for most workers so far failing to keep up with inflation, but they hurt lower income households in particular. This is the AP quoting Carol Hardison, the chief executive officer at Charlotte's crisis assistance ministry. And she says, after the beating that people have taken in the pandemic, it's like, what's next? She said households coming in for assistance recently have unpaid bills that are roughly twice as big as they were before the pandemic. They're contending with more expensive housing, higher medical bills. And sometimes a reduction in their hours worked. Quote, it's what we know about this pandemic. It hits the same people that were already struggling with wages, not keeping up with the cost of living. To make ends meet, families are cutting deeply. Nearly 22% of Americans had to reduce or forego expenses for basic necessities like medicine or food so they could pay energy bills. In at least one of the last twelve months, that, according to a September survey by the U.S. Census Bureau, I'm not telling you this stuff to scare you. There are a lot of people who were insulated from a lot of the uh, a lot of these economic uh, impacts. the uh, The pandemic, the government policies. They have taken uh, they've taken more of a toll on lower income workers and people in white-collar jobs have for the most part escaped a lot of the uh, impacts And uh, by the way, this is actually a good time for me to tell you uh, you know we do the bike drive um well we collection we're not riding bikes. Although some people I have seen during the bike drive, they, they may partake in some bike riding. But, no, the uh, you know we're, we're, we're asking for bike donations. And so, because of everything I've been going over here, probably may want, if you want to help us out this year, maybe think about doing it earlier rather than later, you know, pick up a bike now. So this way you don't have to worry about trying to find one when we do the bike drive. So just uh, putting it on your radar there, and we appreciate that. Uh, The White House has been speaking with U.S. oil and gas producers. (laughs) They really are amazing. You know what they're asking them to do? Yeah, the White House is asking gas and oil producers to help bring down fuel costs. This is according to a story at Reuters. I swear, this this is right out of Atlas Shrugged. I'm telling you. Like they, because didn't they ask, didn't government go to Reardon Steel, the Reardon Metal, right, to take the metal back, try to get him to help them fulfill stuff or whatever? Yeah, like, this is right out of Atlas Shrugged. You guys passed policies. You guys shut down pipelines. You guys have made it more difficult for this industry to operate. And now you're going to them to ask for help to bring down the costs of the fuel that were driven up by you. The average retail cost of a gallon of gas is at a seven-year high. Winter fuel costs expected to surge as well. And oil and gas production remains below the nation's peak that was reached in 2019. U.S. crude recently... Hit eighty dollars a barrel. That was the first time it got there in seven years. As the OPEC cartel, the organization of the petroleum exporting cartel, uh, sorry, countries uh, and their allies restrict output. The White House has discussed rising prices with top OPEC producer Saudi Arabia in recent weeks. I mean, this is like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, where, where am I? Did I actually get into the time machine and go backwards? I know we were talking about it last week or something, but I feel like I've gone back in time. We're going with hat in hand to Saudi Arabia. Please, please, Sheikh, please uh, increase the production so we may warm our hovels this wintertime. The average retail price of a gallon of gas is up to $3.29, according to the AAA. U.S. Energy Department said, that household heating costs are expected to rise dramatically, as I went over uh, moments ago. Any call by the White House for an increase in U.S. production probably going to fall on deaf ears, according to one oil executive who did not want to be identified. Gee, I wonder why. Right, because you don't want them coming after you. Right, you don't want GovCo coming after you. The industry has been unhappy with some of President Joe Biden's earlier actions, including a temporary drilling halt on federal lands that they saw as an attack on the industry. There's an email from Kevin. With increased heating costs for winter, I'm praying that global warming keeps on coming. Could be a win-win. There's actually a guy in... Uh, he's in the Midwest somewhere. I follow him on Twitter and he's always saying stuff like that. (laughs) Like every time people complain about global warming, he gives them the temperatures out in like Iowa. He's like, I am totally fine with increasing temperatures by about 10 degrees. (laughs) totally fine with it. Monica says, don't be scared. You're not scaring us. Uh, Meet the challenge. Start to plan. Recalibrate your thinking. It's not better not to know. Right. And, and, Monica is exactly right. I'm not trying to scare people. I'm trying to inform people so you can be prepared. Uh, let me jump over here to Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, hey, Pete. Hey. Uh, I don't know where else that, uh, but, you know, Biden's just, you know, he's destroying uh, our fuel and he's he's destroyed Afghanistan and now he's aiming for Christmas. <laughs> you know, I, my my roommate made some cookies last night. I think he stole those, too. <laughs> right. He's aiming at these cans. Um, no, I, I don't... Uh, I don't think that this is... Again, it's the fatal conceit. I don't think that they believe that they're trying to do what is occurring. They think they're trying to do something else. But because you, the economy is too big to be managed like this, they're having all of these impacts and they don't want, I don't think they want Christmas canceled because I think that's why they're doing what they're doing right now. They're in damage control. They're looking at this and thinking, Oh my gosh, we're going to get blamed for, for being Grinches and that (laughs) like for real. Right. And like, that's going to, that's going to have serious political consequences for them. So, I, you know, I just like the the people who voted for Biden can tell me one thing. Donald Trump did bad because he didn't ruin Christmas. Tweets. <laughs> the mean tweets. He didn't, he didn't destroy gas. No. But, but we have no more mean tweets, Jimmy. That's the key here. No mean tweets. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Uh, I got an email here from Joseph. He says... When I hear these stories of empty shelves and skyrocketing fuel prices, it makes me smile. I want maximum suffering for this country. If a hard lesson like this doesn't relegate the left to the trash heap of American politics, then we deserve to suffer even more. By the way, I think yesterday was the anniversary of the day that, I think his name was Yamaguchi? In Japan, who attacked the leader of the Socialist Party at a public speech, he, like, murdered him with a samurai sword. And socialism never took root in Japan. I, I'm just saying, like, yesterday was the day. I just... um. I am not on board with the with the let's let, let's make everybody suffer. I am I, I would hope that well, I'm kind of thinking through history now, but I mean like honestly, you would think there would be enough lessons already learned for people to not go down this path, but you know we apparently have to keep relearning some of these lessons. I don't yeah, I don't understand it. Um, Anne Bradbury is the chief executive officer at the American Exploration and Production Council, which lobbies for independent oil and gas producers. And she said, quote, by pursuing policies that restrict supply and make it harder to produce oil and natural gas here in America, Americans will have to pay more for their energy. Now, so far, the United States has been sort of insulated from natural gas fuel shortages that we are seeing right now in Asia and in Europe. And the reason why is because we can export liquefied uh, natural gas. That's, yeah, that's been one of the, but that's going away because our supplies are not limitless. So that's going to change out of China. Global food costs are at risk of soaring again because China is facing a harvest season that is going to be challenging thanks to a severe energy crisis there. Yeah. The power crunch has rippled from factory floors to homes, crimping growth forecasts for the world's second largest economy. The shortages, mirrored in Europe and elsewhere, is unleashing turmoil in the global commodities markets, fueling rallies in everything from fertilizer to silicon. Beijing is scrambling to secure energy supplies and restore electricity with autumn harvest underway in the world's biggest agricultural producer. Without power, you see, China is struggling to handle crops from corn to soy to peanuts and cotton. It's been testing China's plans to boost the nation's agricultural production and guaranteeing food supplies for its 1.4 billion people. And over the past year, China had to import a record amount of agricultural products due to a domestic shortage, which drove prices and global food costs to multi-year highs over in the UK i saw this move on the wires i think yesterday or maybe day before <clears throat> where they uh, uh put out their plan of their uh, their big energy plan they're going to be z- uh, net zero emissions by 2050 yay us and they're going to do so by relying on renewables and nuclear <clears throat> nuclear but mainly renewables and <clears throat> some nuclear yeah, they're actually putting in next-generation nuclear power generation into their energy plans because they're not going to have enough power to meet their needs. They're already starting it. People, like, folks on the left, media, you guys better wake up soon. We're in for a world of hurt pretty soon. And unlike uh, Joseph there, I, I would prefer that we don't suffer through the world of her Thank you John up in New Jersey listening He he uh, appreciated the reference to the jerk <laughs> You're a mean one Mr Grinch You really are a heel You're as cuddly as a cactus you're as charming as an eel Mr Grinch you're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. I thought you said we're not supposed to have bumper music with lyrics in it. Mr. Grinch, your heart's he, an M- You can tell Ryan is in the media because he makes one set of rules for everybody else. You've got <laughs> garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. All righty, News Talk 1110993 wbt An email here from Monica who said uh, the media is not going to blame Joe Biden for anything. True. Elections are about what media make them. Here is another great example of it. Um, We have a, a, a new chapter in the Mark Robinson uh, LGBTQ plus outrage uh, story. So Where to begin with this? Let me see. Um, Well, let's start with. Yeah, okay. I'll start here. Senator Berger, State uh, State Senator Phil Berger, he's the Senate President Pro Tem, and his press shop took a fundraising email that was sent out by the Democratic Party. And in this press release from the Democratic Party, it says, that's why we need to bolster our efforts to elect Democrats at every level of government, counter these vicious attacks, and curb Mark Robinson. If Trump taught us any political lesson, it's that Republicans won't stop these types of candidates. That's up to Democrats. Can you contribute $20 or whatever feels right for you to help us? Blah, blah, blah. All right. And so when I read that statement, that sentence, I'll read this just this one part. What do you think the Democratic Party means when they say this part, okay? To help elect Democrats at every level of government, counter these vicious attacks, and curb Mark Robinson. What does that mean to you? All right, I'll be more specific. Curb Mark Robinson. What does that mean to you? Now, to me, it means restrain him, right? To rein him in. Although I guess that's in today's day and age with the horse imagery, I'm not so sure. Like the, they made a big deal about the border patrol and the reins and the whips and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, I don't, maybe they're trying to steer clear of the reining in idea. So they used the word curb, Mark Robinson. It's awkward. I, I, like it, it doesn't sound. It's one of the things that you get taught in uh, journalisming is you wanna uh, you wanna write like you speak. You want it to be conversational. Right, so when you are writing a script, you don't want it to be, uh, you know, stilted and and uh, you know non-conversational. Okay, so curb Mark Robinson. People don't speak like that. I don't think they do. Maybe some people do, but it's just it's a weird kind of word to use to curb Mark Robinson. Um, control might have been a better word to use there, but whatever. So the Burger Press Shop takes this quote. And they say, in a fundraising email, the Democratic Party used a violent term that the Southern Poverty Law Center associates with the racist skinhead movement. Did you know that? Did you know that the Southern Poverty Law Center, which, by the way, is a bit of a joke, which... Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, they still haven't really caught on to this. They still cite the Southern Poverty Law Center and they use Mark Potok for, like, all of these interviews and stuff. And people on the right don't care about the SPLC. And for good reason, by the way. Because they're kind of a joke. Because everything of the right gets labeled as a hate group and anything of the left is not, virtually. And the Southern Poverty Law Center tries to... uh, Uh, blame conservative organizations for violence that crazy people engage in and they don't hold the left to the same standard. So people on the right do not care about what the Southern Poverty Law Center has to say about anything, really. But the Democrats and the media, they continue to cite the Southern Poverty Law Center as an authority on what is and isn't hate speech and what is and isn't extremism. In fact, the Southern Poverty Law Center was cited on uh, in the coverage of the Mark Robinson uh, comments, right? Southern Poverty Law Center has been one of the go-to organizations for uh, the media to get quotes from and the Democrats to cite. So here is the Senate President Pro Tem's communications office citing the Southern Poverty Law Center, which actually apparently has on their site, because it's linked right here, the quote, of, uh, sorry, the uh, definition of the word curb, to curb, curbing, curb job. You know what this comes from? Do you know why this is, do you have any idea where this comes from, why it would be violent? Have you ever seen the movie American History X? With uh, Edward Norton, right? Yeah. And remember how his character, he played a neo-Nazi and white supremacist guy and he murdered a black guy in the movie and you remember how he murdered him that's where this comes from apparently this is a term i had no idea maybe because i'm not a neo-nazi skinhead racist white supremacist but i don't know that these these terms like i thought that the circle game was just the okay sign but thank goodness the trolls on 4chan duped all the media and the leftists into believing that it's the white power sign. Otherwise, I would still think it's not a white power signal. Um, so curb is apparently a word that's used by these white supremacist groups, part of the racist skinhead movement, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And the Democratic Party used the word in its press release. And so Berger's press shop put it out and said, you guys are using a violent term used with race used by racist skinheads. Talking about murdering a black lieutenant governor. That's what But see and I understood what this what they're doing. They're totally trolling the media and the democrats here. But the reaction from the democrats has been Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would say such a thing. Don't you know that we're democrats and this is the Democratic Party chairwoman, and she's black. She would never be a racist skinhead. They're like, they're responding to this as if it's something other than what it is. And he's making the point that there is a double standard, right? You guys would have called this out were it a Republican who used the word curb. But because it's a Democrat, oh, no, no, it, it, they, they couldn't possibly be racist. Because, again, you work off of an assumption that, that Republican equals racist and therefore anything they say must automatically be so. This is so destructive to our body politic. Makes no sense. None. You know, I can, I can get Nick Searcy, who is in that movie, I will get Nick Searcy... Who was Nick Searcy? To come at you. Who was Nick Searcy? On Twitter. He will come at you on Twitter. Do not ask me who Nick Searcy is. International film and television star. Nick Searcy. You may know him as Frank from uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. He was the abusive guy that they, spoiler alert, uh, that they, uh, they grilled up. Um he was also uh Art Mullen from Justified. He was in the Shape of Water, he was in Three Billboards, he was in he's been in a lot of stuff and he's on Twitter and he was in Moneyball. I mean he was one of the agent or uh, uh talent scouts. It wasn't a big part. But just we were just talking about Moneyball, and I don't even know how it started. <laughs> It's just this, this. Well, it one. started because we were talking about uh, Charlotte's own Mike Schilt getting fired by the St. Louis Cardinals. Right, and I, I and I don't know who that is. I don't care. He coached over at UNCC for the baseball team. Fantastic. It doesn't matter to me. He coached for St. Louis, and it's baseball, so I, I don't doesn't he, matter. He won 18 games this year and was fired. Doesn't matter. Oh, and then I said, "Oh yeah, whatever happened to the coach of that team from Moneyball?" Art I guess, Art Howell. Yeah, because he he seems kind of like a jerk because he's tried to steal the concept and get take all the credit for the for the concept and it wasn't his and he fought it and then he went to the Mets and and then he hasn't coached again. Correct. Right. That's how it started. And then you had to like go and like poop all over the whole moneyball story, the movie. And is, the first thing you said was incorrect. You you said they don't even tell you that they were losers like they, they were losers. They did cause... say that. They said at the end of the movie that they did not win the World Series and they're still trying to win the World Series. But what did they say? That the Boston Red Sox adopted that philosophy and they won the World Series. And that was their first World Series in like 100 years. Yeah, but the Oakland A's didn't do it. Doesn't matter. They said it. You said they didn't say that and they did. That's all. I just need to know that you know that <laughs> I'm right. And <laughs> you're you're right, Pete. <laughs> all right. Uh moving on. See, this is why I don't do sports talk. It's like after all of this yelling and screaming, like what?
1: You did. You actually, What's the point?
0: You actually did do a very good job of uh, of articulating your thoughts and, and opinions and 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 firing back at me. Do not do that to me. I do not need this kind of uh, patronage here. This patronizing. This uh, that was very this very. Pe- oh, pat on the head. You're a good kindergartner. That was you're- ve- That was very Peter O'Donnell of you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Alrighty. So, <clears throat> as for the uh, the term "curb," and yes, I, we did get the call that someone said, "Yes, curb your enthusiasm." So, yeah, the word is known, but the word is known by most people as an innocuous word. It like "curb" means to uh, restrain, right? To limit. But what is obvious is that. Burger's press shop took the the uh, Democratic Party's press release and trolled them with it. Now you could say, "Oh, he shouldn't be trolling." Is uh, well, that's beneath the office. But this is precisely what Democrats and the left do. They do it with the white power sign, with the OK sign, right? And all of a sudden, they turn it into this white power. They, oh, look at this person! He's making an OK sign. That's that's the circle game. And trying to tell people this for a decade, they and it's like they don't care. It's like they like there's a switch that is broken in one position and it just doesn't flip back. And here's a great point that Brent Woodcox makes he's a lawyer. I think I quoted him actually the other day. Um, he's a lawyer that works for the General Assembly over in I think he works for the Senate side. I think he may even work for Phil Berger, but I I I forget. But he's a lawyer and he's in the Senate, he's a Republican. And he says, as a reminder, North Carolina does not have voter ID because leftist partisan judges decided that former state senator Joel Ford, a black Democrat, had white rage. Quote, white rage. This was the ridiculous theory promulgated by a professor out of Atlanta. Um, I think she's at Emory University. Uh, Carol Anderson is her name and wrote this book, White Rage and said that Joel Ford was suffering from white rage, which is why he ran the voter... co-sponsored the voter ID legislation. And what Brent Woodcox points out is that there was no skepticism of this view espoused by anybody in the media. Well, except me, but I don't count. If the Democrats and their besties in the media didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all, he says. Here is what... um, Terrence J. Everett, who is a lawmaker in Raleigh, but also one of the people purportedly behind the North Carolina House Democratic Twitter account that trolls people. So now he's all pearl-clutching over trolling. Wait, wait, wait. So Senator Berger's press job cites an obscure term from the racist skinhead movement, and no one asks how they know that? So what is he doing? He's doing literally the very same thing, right? Right. Doing the very same thing. He says, no one thinks that's at all strange that they're familiar with the term. I mean, how would the average person even make that connection? Yeah, people on the right have said the same thing about you guys for years. How is it you know when you guys are always talking about dog whistles all the time? All the time. Not really comprehending that like the dog is the only uh, person or, or entity, organism that hears the whistle, right? The dog hears the whistle. Not the person. Yet you guys are constantly claiming that the right is blowing the dog whistles that you hear. Which tells us that you're the dog. Colin Campbell, Raleigh reporter, says that, oh, Berger's calling out the chair of the Democratic Party saying she should resign over emails suggesting supporters curb Mark Robinson. And he says, unless I'm mistaken, um, Berger did not respond for comment over Robinson's, Mark Robinson's comments. And also worth noting that the head of the Democratic Party is black, unlikely to be involved with the racist skinhead movement. And Berger said, you know, when this is applied to them, they reject this standard. So, yes, he's trolling. Winterbull's up next.